Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Welcome to the second edition of. I'm gonna let you do it this time, buddy. <laughs> you don't want to do, do it? it? Uh, I can yeah. do it. I can do it. Yeah, do it. Go for it. Grown men watch this shit. There you go. There you go. Hey, look, actually, have I asked you to do an American accent at all? Like, I know I probably brutalized the Australian accent to you before, but ha- I don't think I've had you do the American. Let's hear oh, it. Oh, oh, because I love. American versions of the Australian accent. They sound amazing. I mean, yeah, I think best. a lot of other Australians maybe don't enjoy them as much as I do. Um, however, uh, all right, all right. So it's not even going to be that exciting, really. What, Who cares? Uh, I'm, 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 it's for me. Grown men watch this shit. Damn, a podcast about indie wrestling. You nailed it. I love it. Oh, yes, this thank is you. Grown Men Watch This Shit, everybody. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back, guys. Uh, episode dose. Yeah, uh, for everyone that uh, was uh, excited enough and uh, curious enough to listen to the the first go around the tree, thank you for for tuning in. We super appreciate it. Uh, yes, sir. We uh, we appreciate y'all joining in on the dumbness, which apparently yeah, yeah. is a thing. Hashtag dumbness. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, me and Chris, again, just met randomly at a wrestling show, decided to randomly do a wrestling show. So on the podcast world. And I really do appreciate for you uh, bringing me along, buddy. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, no, just really stoked to be doing it. Um, had a lot of fun um, on the, the first show. And, yeah, it's, it's actually cool that uh, people – for some reason, listened. I mean, uh, yourself, uh, Jeremy, we were, we were talking about uh, before the first show, you know, if not a single person listens to this and it's just a echo chamber, um, we'd be totally okay with that because we have fun talking about wrestling, shockingly. 100%, 100%. And we did get some, some good feedback. It was appreciated by all you who actually not only listened, but took time to let us know how you felt about the show. And yeah, when you do a podcast, you very rarely know how it's being received immediately. There's no instant gratification. So you kind of have to sit back and wait for it to come in. And we did feel it. So we, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, you know. For sure, for sure. And before we got started today, you did mention possibly uh, doing a little bit of a reintroduction of who we are as individuals. So yeah, I'm yeah, I think you, I think that'd be away. yeah. Thanks, man. I think that'd be a good idea. Last time we just kind of got going, uh, jumped right into it. And I think that was good. It set a good tone um, for uh, the, the the rambling odyssey that is uh, this show. Um, but I thought it'd be good to start this show. Um, you know, giving a not so formal introduction um, to to ourselves and, and overall what we're we're looking to do with this show now that we're into episode dose. Um, so, I mean, uh, first of all, myself, uh, Chris, on the uh, the the Instagram and the the Twitter, Chris Things. I um I actually have you know obviously loved wrestling for bloody forever. Um, being a little Aussie boy who did not get enough uh, American pro wrestling for his tastes until, I don't know, got big on TV in like 99 when it got cool everywhere, I guess. 
Um, but uh, yeah, just loved it ever since. I, I was uh, somewhat in, involved in the embarrassing local indie scene that we have over here. <laughs> um, in a, a previous life, I may have been known as the, the despicable Wild Joe Hayes. Um, you know, all about bleeding all over the place, throwing chairs at fans and uh, saying things that I probably shouldn't have said and got yelled at by various promoters. But it Holy was a fun crap. time. It was a fun time. I can't even imagine, dude. I, I only know the nice Chris <laughs> Bryan. Whew. I got to see yeah. some of that. You got any footage of that, buddy? Oh, maybe, maybe one day. We'll see. All right, all right. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, no, but um, no, it, all in all, you know, it's fun. And uh, you look back at it. And to me... The best part was not necessarily the wrestling, but the the people that you meet, and and that continues onto this show, and and just you know meeting everybody, and and like I was saying last time, how much fun that is, and all the great people that you get to meet. But I, I met some of the the best friends that I ever have uh, made the acquaintance of in in my life through wrestling, and and a lot of those guys are still some of my best friends to this day. So I in no way regret it, despite the um, ridiculous amount of concussions that I suffered, which led to my early uh, wrestling career demise. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm just happy to chat about it, to make wrestling-related art, um, and to, to do a show like this, man. So that's that's a little about me. How about your, yourself, Mr. Vanderbeek? All right. Uh, as Chris has alluded to, I am Jeremy, but also sometimes known as James Vanderbeek due to my well-received, ironically and crazily enough, Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been a lifetime wrestling fan as well. Uh, grew up on it as a kid, kind of fell off for a bit and then got back into it uh, probably right when the right before the Attitude Era really picked up. I became a, a rampant and valid member of the WWE universe uh, for the longest time. And then eventually again, wrestling kind of, you get born, you, you ebbs and flows. And then I got into ring of honor, became obsessed with that. And then I realized the connection of the indie universe, the indie wrestling world was so vast. And it was quite a surprise to me. Just, I didn't even know there was local wrestling companies at all. No idea. Uh, and when I found this out, I, Really started getting involved in that to a point where I started offering up my artistic talents. Like Chris, I also am an artist and do other things outside of wrestling themed art, but a lot of designs for wrestlers and uh, indie, ind both independent and professional wrestlers alike. And kind of developed that and made me even more of a passionate fan, making me more obsessed with wrestling. And yeah, more enough so that I want to sit and talk about it for an additional hour and record it and share it with other people. So fucking oh. professional wrestling, man. Professional wrestling. We are grown men and we watch this shit. Yes, sir. And you, somebody be looking at the title and say, well, what is that supposed to mean? Well, it's not any disparage on our favorite pastime. It's sometimes the attitude that other people may have. And we're like, Hey, man, you're taking it way more seriously than we are. We're just here to enjoy a good program, enjoy some wrestling. It's an escapism. It's nothing to be taken up super, super serious. So, yeah, grown men watch this shit. Hell yeah, we do. Hell yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, you don't need to take it too serious. Um, and uh, I think as well, you know, people want to put it down or, or whatever, but just uh, enjoy it for what it is. I, that, that's what I do, you know, go into anything and just enjoy it for what it's meant to be. 
Uh, it's maybe not changing the world, but in, in some ways it is. I mean, there's a lot of stories about different uh, independent or semi-independent uh, companies over the years that have um, completely changed the face of uh, mainstream wrestling. Uh, because, like, indie wrestling, to me, it's, like, it's the exciting place where all this stuff happens, where, like, the new things are born, where, like, these uh, chants that, like, in a lot of ways I cringe over when I see them these days. But when they were first happening, like, in a, a little uh, bingo hall or, or Rexplex or, or whatnot, or a little armory um, for the first time, you know, that shit's exciting and it's, it's fresh and, and seeing the different styles of wrestling coming out, you know, I, I just uh, get so much more of a kick out of watching the, the bush leagues of, of wrestling, if you will, um, more so than the, the mainstream product. And, and that's that's why I want to do this show. I'm for excited sure, about sure. it. And then also uh, the history of wrestling, like you said about changing things. They li- it literally has changed the world. Sputnik Monroe back in the day helped desegregate uh, parts of the South by refusing to wrestle without allowing the the colored, as they were saying back then, you know, black people into the building. And you know, yeah, he's I mean, changed with the world. It's a he, heel. yeah, he was like a heel, um, but he was way over with that um, that uh, demographic. Um, and uh, uh, once they actually did let them into the building, they were only allowed in the the top um, the top tier area yeah. of uh, of the building. And you know, in a lot of ways, he maybe gets potentially a bit more credit than he deserves because at the end of the sure. day, he was uh, you know. So all these fans that were coming to see him, but only so many could fit in that top area. So he would make a lot more money if those black fans were allowed in the lower bowl as well. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, well, you know, I'm sure he was a, a great guy in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> but in the same time, you know, uh, money talks, uh, as it always has for wrestling. But yeah, it's a great example of how um, something in, in wrestling can change the greater world. Yeah, indeed. Even if it is based off some guy wanting to put a little bit more extra pocket change in his, you know, in his wallet, something to take home to mama. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate to bring up that, you know, the obvious side of that part, particular thing, but just think about it. He at least attempted to do something great with, <laughs> who cares? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, pretty kidding. much all the all the good things in the history of the world, uh, while people may want to say that they were uh, you know, just done for the right reasons, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, it's always something else for yes, But anyway, sir, yes, yeah. Well, let's talk about something that probably the biggest news in the world of independent wrestling as of recently is the big all-in show oh, and the man. very quick sellout. Uh, a lot of people were skeptical that these guys could pull this off. I, for one, was not one of those people. Um, there was rampant speculation by independent wrestling fans and, you know, journalists as well in the world of wrestling, whether they they could get this done. But I think if anything that the Young Bucks and Cody have proven in the last couple of years is how good they are at marketing and how viable of talents they are. I mean, they just they draw money, son. Mm hmm. Sure do. Um, and I was so excited. Um, when I, I saw that sell out, I was actually on there, even though I had no intention of going to the show, as we discussed last time. Um, but I was on it, uh, the the ticket site just to see how the sales were going, because I was I was like real 
scared for them and, and hopeful for them. I mean, it was, it's kind of cool because we spoke about it a bit last time um, and that was before the tickets went on sale so people could kind of see uh, what our expectations were and I think we were both um, relatively positive but there's still being a, a question mark there. Um, and, man, ridiculous. Under half an hour sold uh, 10,000 tickets. Yeah, um, it's ridiculous. It, it surpassed, like, obviously our expectations. I think the the whole um, wrestling media, a lot of people were, were expecting them to be able to do that 10,000, but in no way in, like, half an hour, especially yeah. given the um, the New Japan show in... in um, in San Francisco, uh, having a bit of a, a tepid start. I mean, I, don't, I still don't think they've sold half that many tickets for the upcoming San Francisco show. Um, but yeah, so nuts. And um, you know, I was listening to some of the interview stuff that, that Cody was doing afterwards, and, and he was saying about how just insanely surprised they were as well. Um, he was uh, talking about how he was a, a bit more trepidatious with his expectations than some of the other guys were, but even the the more bullish um, expectations for it were nothing like that. So I think it's it's amazing, um, and it's a, a credit to exactly where we are in terms of indie wrestling in the year 2018. I mean, if, if you were talking about doing this in, like, the, the mid or early 2000s, people would have laughed at you. I mean, even the, the coolest indie wrestling going back then, uh, I'd say probably, you know, ROH was real strong, uh, like 2003 to 2007 was probably their real glory period. Um, you know, their biggest crowd they did back then was like 2,000 people. You know, for them, filling up the Hammerstein was a big fucking deal at the time because it would like raise them to the level of legitimacy of like ECW. Um, but yeah, you look at that now, like 10,000 people, insane. Um, you know, I was reading some of the history stuff about it to try to work out when was the last time uh, this this happened in wrestling, like a, a company without TV just actually doing it on themselves without like a big backer or whatever. This is un- unprecedented. The, the closest thing that I can find that um, was uh, somewhat comparative was, uh, I don't know if you heard about um, Jacques Rougeau's shows that he used to do in um, up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he did a crowd of like uh, ten or, or twelve thousand uh, in oh, the, the early two thousands. Um, but that was a bit different, uh, rather than necessarily selling tickets. A lot of it, um, from what I've read, was based off of working with big companies, uh, selling a you know a sponsorship to the company, and then they get you know all their employees to go to it for free, things like that. But still, impressive as hell. Um, and a lot of that was just his students uh, and. Uh, one of our favorite indie wrestlers, Kevin Steen, was actually on that show. You're very beautiful. Yeah, as actually, luck would have it. The the most surprised. So I definitely am not surprised it sold out. Definitely surprised at the quick time it did. So mostly one of the main reasons is because while the card is filled with like talented people, it's not like nothing. No big surprises have been announced. If there's anything really scheduled, no. I mean the closest. I was going to say the closest thing, thing, yeah, was the fact that they announced CM Punk for a signing uh, before it or that week or whatever, which I don't know if it might have got people's, um, you know, uh, earbuds tingling a little bit like, oh, is this maybe a thing where we could possibly have an expectation of Punk being on there? But in no way was it actually directly teased. No. And then the other guy that's like the big star power is Okada, of course. And uh, I mean... It, I would love to see Okada, but it's not like necessarily like he is 
the selling point of an entire show by any means. So it's tremendous that the wrestling fans, I believe almost like they are so passionate about this project that these guys that they're passionate for, they're just in like all in, so to speak, a hundred percent backing this thing just because they want them to succeed because the opportunity is for other things to be successful because of this. It just shows that other people could possibly go out there and maybe not do a show run of this size, but something, you know, rather substantial, much more than, you know, you see the normal 500 seat arena for a lot of the indie product. Yeah. And I mean, for the last couple of years, we've been seeing that um, off of the back of the the Bucks and, and Cody to a large extent of um, a lot of those crowds where previously it was uh, three to five to 700, maybe uh, those crowds going up to like 1500. You know, stuff like Northeast Wrestling, uh, they've been doing uh, good crowds of like 2,000 or, or more for, for quite a few years now. Um, and yeah, a lot of your other ones all around, like the, the whole overall indie um, environment is a lot healthier than it, it's really like ever been. And it, it's it's really cool to see. And this is kind of like just the icing on the cake of, of that statement of just like, holy shit, this is a different world now. And I mean, who knows? Uh, all in two. I mean, you can't do that the first time and then not go on to to do it a second time. Yeah, especially with the fact that it's clearly a viable product. Like people are are certainly interested. So as long as the show translates well and everything's copacetic, I I couldn't see them not venturing and trying this again. And for real, you know, uh, it's I gotta hats off to those guys because taking a chance on yourself, especially when for the most part, these things don't work out too well when you know someone tries to back themselves on a project. And I mean, there's a rule. There's a money. rule in wrestling where you don't yeah. be a mark for yourself. You don't put your own money into a show. I mean, Cody actually yeah. mentioned that. That was one of his dad's rules. And because um, I don't know if you remember when Dusty was promoting, it was like Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling in the the early two thousands. Um, okay. And you know they they never did anything too crazy. I think his biggest crowd was maybe the know 1500 um kind of capacity and then it went down pretty fast um but yeah his his big thing where he said is my, my dad taught me a couple of things um you know one never put your your own money in this kind of stuff uh two main event guys wear trunks actually like that second one it's not really relevant but anyway no, I do. Um, <laughs> I, I, a lot of guys a lot if you notice in wrestling a lot of guys come to that realization so yeah, for real. But yeah, I mean, he they did all in. It's not just a name. They they did that. They put their own butts on the line. And I mean, Cody's been doing that since he uh, he left the the WWE, like just betting on himself. Um, you know, a lot of everyone told him it was a mistake. You know, what are you doing, man? Why are you leaving this this great gig that you've got to to go out onto the indies? It'll be terrible. And then look what's happened since. He's he is a, a main event player. If I ever saw one. I didn't necessarily see it myself straight away. I, sure. I may have been one of those people early on that were like, "Oh, you know, Cody going out with his uh, WWE style matches on the indies and in Japan. This isn't going over too well." Uh, but then he really changed gears, and I think it was maybe the more time that he spent in um, in ROH and got a little bit more acclimated with the the indie style. Um, my favorite thing that he's done was that really great match that he had at Wrestle Kingdom with um, Kota Ibushi, and it was just a really exciting match, but I think the thing that, that uh, pushed it all over the top in terms of him becoming a main event superstar was the bleached hair. 
I think that that screamed superstar. As soon as I saw that, I was like, wow, this guy. They, he got hackneyed for not having a ton of personality before the, the Stardust thing. And I, I think he showed that he, as far as character work, he had that available in spades, a personality and character work. And I think he's developed this almost like a video game supervillain type character that he is mm. now. And it's the the ring, the ring that he wears, that he makes people kiss, really puts that shit over the top. And I, yeah. 100%, the, the, the bleach blonde hair, the ode to his father, it's like, he, he put it all together with that. It's, yeah, it's pretty tremendous, the transformation you see from the guy who was in Evolution to what he is now. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, or not Evolution, Brandy? I apologize. What's the... What uh, the... Was, uh, Cody's uh, group, or I don't remember the Legacy. one with Randy. Legacy. Yeah, 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 Legacy, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Brandy being part of the presentation as well really uh, adds to things. And yep, I mean that uh, that ROH um, show that we were at over WrestleMania weekend was like Cody was the most hated man I have ever seen at a wrestling show live. Full stop. Like I've I've never seen someone get that kind of visceral hatred. Um, probably going back to like watching, uh, you know, territory wrestling tapes where people were actually wanting to shank a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, dude, hundred percent great heel work. Yeah, Cody, can't say enough good things about Cody. Yeah, yeah, so good. So nah, so so happy for the dude in this show. I'm excited about it now. Um, I guess we're just gonna wait and see as the the match announcements start happening, which I think is gonna be very exciting. It's a, a very interesting looking card and i think they have the potential for doing some really unique matchups um that haven't been done before and given a lot of the the roh guys on the show who um you know normally can't actually work uh home side in in the states uh, on non-roh shows i think due to most of those contracts um we'll be able to get get to see those guys mix it up with um some of the rest of this talent you know, seeing Okada maybe have a big time singles match with uh, someone that we we might not have expected before. I mean, personal little little hope on that for me. I really want to see Okada and uh, PCO. I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> I think oh oh we may God. not be seeing that, but <laughs> I have never wanted to see an Okada like, match more than wait, that. Wait, what? <laughs> that would be so incredible. Uh, PCO, the, the living legend. Oh, um, in but... every way. I love PCO. Have you been on these um, PCO hype videos he's been releasing the last couple of weeks? <laughs> I've been watching them from time to time because they get pretty viral. Oh. <laughs> he's a fucking psycho, dude. It's awesome. Oh, man. He's got, like, the electric uh, battery uh, clamps for the car, like, on his friggin' nipples while he's list, lifting these ridiculous weights and getting screamed Hit with at. a kendo stick or some shit. yeah yeah the last one cards with his teeth yeah yeah the shit. cards oh my gosh <laughs> that guy is insane and i'm i'm so excited that he is like one of the most talked about uh indie acts of 2018 fuck yeah, yeah pco craziest resurgence so random but so great yeah so good. All so right. Good. Well, we're talking about people going places and taking chances on themselves. Let's talk about the big progress tour, which I, for one, am very excited about it. Very selfishly, of course. No, uh, no I, I'm excited about it too. It's um, it's a pretty big endeavor, and yeah, definitely. I think Jim Smallman uh, is is putting a, a lot. Um, he, he's going all in uh, to to bring back to that one <laughs> yeah. uh, on on this tour. I mean, they're, they're doing uh, what is it, Seattle? Um, they're doing, uh, where, where Boston, else have they got booked in? 
Uh, the first date is on the 4th. They got New York. Then we got Boston on the 5th. Then up here in Seattle on the 9th, teaming up with local indie company Defy Wrestling. Shout outs. Yeah, and, then, and the rest uh, are teaming up with um, with Gabe and uh, Evolve, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I, I, that kind of bums me out that we didn't get an Evolve event, too. I mean, I love Defy, but come on. Def- Evolve up here as well. But I can't complain. <laughs> I'm getting progress. Yeah. And then... Uh, to close it out, they've got Chicago on the 11th and Detroit on the 12th. So these guys are going to be knackered, as they say, uh, become mm. Detroit, man. They're going to be – but anyway, uh, that's going to be tremendous, just, man. Just and what an that, endeavor, like a, an indie yeah. company from the U.K. going on like a, a full-scale American tour like that. I mean, talk about unprecedented. When does that happen? You know, even though the coolest companies. Maybe. Yeah, 2018 is the year. It's a ridiculous year. But very cool. And I did hear, or I did, of course, I had to chat up Jim, uh, who does follow me on Twitter, uh, putting over name drop, name drop. But anyway, uh, ask about maybe doing, they're, they're doing personalized shirts for each of the shows, and it does sound like they are. So looking See? forward to grab that sweet Seattle Progress shirt. That's going to be fucking dope. Oh, I mean, Progress has had really sweet shirt designs with their sort of punk rock motif and, and doing like band spin-offs and, and things like that for a long time. 100%. I remember like when I started following Progress back when they were, um, do you recall back in their days when they were in the, the garage or as you uh, posh Americans would say, garage? <laughs> I do remember the garage. Uh, so before I did they not moved into them. the electric ballroom, I think is their their main home base. Is it? That is correct. That yeah. is correct. But yeah, man, uh, tremendous and, and insane. Like who? The most random thing I saw pop up on Twitter when I see this thing for Progress the US tour, and you, you know, normally you pop for wrestling spots, but I popped for a potential show, and got really excited because they didn't announce any dates, but I. As soon as I saw Seattle on there, and I, I figured Defy would be working in conjunction with them because Defy is really mm. hot right now. But yeah, yeah, and I think there's a lot of similarities between the two companies as well in terms of their their overall approach, um, and uh, just what's what's really working well right now because I think both companies are, are really on a high. Yep, the you know not anything super overproduced. Kind of uh, definitely still has a polished look, but nothing where you're like trying to be overly flashy with the show itself. They're just here to present the wrestling mm. on its own canvas. It's funny. I mean, from the first time I, I watched Progress and the first time I watched Defy, um, I actually noticed something of those two companies in terms of just the way that their the matches are filmed. Um, mm-hmm. Both have a very similarity uh, or similar approach that you don't see uh, anywhere else of, of just like a – I don't know. It's like the – I don't know in terms of specifics, but those sort of artful camera work, if you're picking up what I'm putting down there. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you could just point the camera at the action and, you know, just shoot what you're fucking looking at. But, yeah, they definitely try to capture a feeling with what the way they're shooting it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for a long time, indie wrestling, to be honest, has not had the best camera work. You go back and watch some of those um, ROH shows from the, oh, the Rexplex and stuff. Holy shit, it's rough. Yeah, especially because like the cameramen, like they didn't do like color correction for the camera, so each shot like <laughs> it flipped from one the the main camera to the other the side camera, and everything goes from like a greenish hue to a yellow <laughs> hue. And you're like, all right, but this is still kick ass wrestling. I, I got to do what I got to do, but holy crap, that quality was horrendous. 
Oh man, yeah, it's. Uh, I thought I wasn't I think... the only one. <laughs> no, it was all like that. Like you go back and watch like ICW, like from New York back up there, or like Jersey All Pro, or like any of those early indies that were were cool back then. With your your amazing Reds and Low Keys and Jerry Lynn, Christopher Daniels, all that kind of era, and yeah, yep, you're yep. gonna see a shit ton of awesome wrestling, but you're gonna not have the the nice polished production values that we've come to expect uh, in the last couple of years. By no means, by no means. <laughs> but yeah, so uh... cool. Um, I mean, it's it's a, that progress tour is cool in a lot of ways um i mean they've, they've dipped their toe into the american market before i know they had that show up in um new york where they did a sellout house at that venue where there was like people passing out because it was so hot do you remember the stories yes. coming out of that one and yeah, then the ROH, shit i mean yeah literally um and the evolve yeah, no, yeah, show that literally. was before it didn't do like half the crowd of the progress show which is like that's interesting yeah, that that became a big deal. Everyone was complaining about the responsibility of the people <laughs> who are running the show a bit overbooking the place. And like, oh yeah, that was such a fucking rigmarole. But hopefully, learning from previous mistakes, things will go smoothly uh, on this upcoming tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, I wonder what what kind of talent list we're going to be getting. Obviously, we'd expect a certain amount of uh, you know authentic UK talent. Um, and mixing it up with some of the, the top indie names um, back home. You know, you'd definitely be thinking that Mr. Swerve himself, uh, Shane Strickland, would be getting a bit of a, a spotlight on um, those Seattle shows and hopefully some of the other ones in terms of like yep, high-profile yep. matches. Man, I love I would... me some Shane Strickland, hey. Dude, the the show that you actually uh, asked me to take a look at, the Rev Pro show, mm-hmm. uh, that match was fucking great. What a what a show opener, huh? Yeah, I mean that's that's how to fucking do it. But I mean Shane Strickland's been doing a lot of good stuff for like a long time. I mean going back to I'm a personally a big Lucha Underground fan, um, yeah. and that was probably the first time I think a lot of people saw him under his. Um, Lucha Underground gimmick. What was that name? Kill again? shot. Kill shot. Kill. That's it. Yeah. The uh, the former army vet. Um, but then yeah, he's really been like the the ace of uh, of Defy. Um, now, hang on know. one second. Let me. I want to take. Sorry to be pedantic, but what do you mean by former army vet? Wouldn't he be always be a vet? Technically, <laughs> I think you may have a point. <laughs> no, I'm not a vet anymore. Not a vet. Yeah, Last I night. gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, uh, him and Adam Brooks, uh, who wasn't someone I was terribly familiar with, but I did catch him down in New Orleans, and I was really quite impressed. Uh, was that, that on yeah, the first show? Yeah, I, I believe it was. Who? I yeah. yeah, you're right, it was, because the same one with Cobb and uh, Suzuki. And that was a badass show. Oh, like fuck. It, it, it gotten lost in all of the other ridiculousness that we saw. But I mean, in terms of just old killer, no filler, like that was fucking awesome. Yeah. And some good fun stuff too that was going on. Like Will Ospreay, even though, you know, he's a fucking professional, doing some fucking comedy as far as on the, in the match he was in. So it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then that main event, that awesome um, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Tomohiro Ishii match. Uh, for the Rev Pro title, uh, which was actually a title change, and we actually got to see uh, Ishi 
finally end the uh, the dastardly title run of um, of Mr. ZSJ because I actually went back and did a bit of homework on the the Rev Pro stuff. I wanted to be as prepared as possible for our um, our much loved listeners at home in the the earbuds. Um, and yeah, he has had such an awesome run in uh, in Rev Pro since like I started it uh, from the Global Wars shows, which were in like over November of last year. Um, on night two of that, he had a really sick match uh, against Osprey, probably one of the best UK matches I've seen. Stop, so good. Um, and then he's just had some amazing title defenses all the way through up till this that. Um, that fateful uh, weekend in uh, in New Orleans. I mean, just off the top of my head, there was also a really cool match on one of their smaller shows at the the cockpit that he had with um, Martin Stone, who has just signed recently to WWE, returning to his previous guys of um, Danny Birch, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like really good uh, title defense against Travis. Banks, uh, Travis Banks, holy shit, he's another guy, a uh, New Zealander who um, I, I think the UK fans know how fucking good this dude is and I think a lot of the American fans are finding out that right about now, so I'm thinking he's definitely going to be a big part of that progress tour. Um, yeah, I mean, he yeah, really, so much as good far stuff. as his, his appearance on uh, yeah, PWG really fucking impressed me, the Kiwi buzzsaw. He's badass, dude. And he's got that he's got that look, even though he's a smaller guy, that you still wouldn't want to fuck with him, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, dude. Jack does is, uh, is old fuck, and he can throw some mean kicks. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, going uh, on, like, uh, Zack Sabre, another awesome match that he had with uh, Trent Seven, um, who I'm sure a lot of uh, our fans uh, uh, um pretty familiar with from his NXT work and the Mustache Mountain stuff. Um, yeah, just a, a really sick run um, and was just so hated. Like, I, for the first time on that um, PWG show that we were at uh, last year, that was the first time I'd seen, like, an American crowd of just that, again, not quite Cody level, but definitely a, a visceral hate from a good amount of those fans for Mr. Zack Sabre Jr. And knowing him as the very nice young man that he is, I'm like, where's this hate coming from? But he's got <laughs> such a great heel persona going on right now with the the Suzuki Gun stuff and all that. Like, dude is awesome. In addition to being a great worker, he he has an awesome um, uh, just vibe about his character that I feel is like it's it's got a reality to it. And he, he's very quick witted in his like he'll get little shit calls from the crowd or whatever, and he'll be like right on him. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and having, like you said, Suzuki Gun, having him stand next to Minoru Suzuki only, like, helps build the vibe. I get he gets, he probably learns, you know, intimidation techniques from the murder grandpa. He's, what a great combination, man. Honestly, seeing them as a show we were talking about against Travis Banks and Chris Brooks, that was a fucking great match, dude. And uh, seeing Chris Brooks go up against Minoru Suzuki was fucking hilarious, but also pretty fucking <laughs> tremendous. Oh, that yeah. That guy's so skinny, dude. He's so skinny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brooks was another guy that, in watching this uh, Rev Pro show, I didn't know too much about Chris Brooks other than he was the, the tag partner of Travis Banks in um, CCK. Um, but I didn't really know too much about him, but I just heard great things. Dude is sick. He is um really tall, lanky guy, but athletic and, and can do some really cool stuff. 
Um, on one of those cockpit shows, I saw an awesome match with him against Pete Dunne. That was just very hard-hitting. Uh, I think uh, Brooks got busted open, was just like bleeding all over the place, and uh, Pete Dunne was just his vicious, violent best. Um, but yeah, Chris Brooks is a guy that people should be um, switching on to. He's, he's, he's got something, and his tag team with Travis Banks has got some very fun to watch, very fun to watch. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and uh, one of the the main reasons we were watching that show is, uh, I, this, I guess the first time we could do this, Friends of the Show, Aussie Open, were on the show. And mm-hmm. holy crap, that match with them with the Chosen Bros was fucking great. And forget me if I, if I don't remember right, they went over in this one, huh? They sure as heck did. Yeah, that was man. Great. Aussie Open. Um, so we've got uh, we've got uh, my uh, good friend again. Not to name drop too much. Um, but, <laughs> no, we do yeah, that stuff on the show. We get okay. over the top with the name drops and everything. We pe- put ourselves over for days, pal. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, brother. Um, yeah. No. Uh, so Mark Davis. Uh, has has been having a, a great run in the UK since he moved over um, to the UK full time about a year ago. It was actually a year to the to the day uh, a couple of weeks back. Did a, a little post about it, um, but yeah, he took a, a big gamble and and went over there just based off of um, based off of having a, a sweet as match with Marty in um, Melbourne City Wrestling, and Marty telling him, hey. Come over. I'll take care of you, brother. And um, fuck, he's, he's worked from like the bottom. Uh, he, he teamed up with this other very talented Australian, Kyle Fletcher, who uh, quite the, the the another skinny tall man, uh, but he can do some awesome shit as well. Um, and yeah, they just had a, a heck of a run. They really picked up steam um, towards the end of last year. Uh, had a, a really great breakout match against uh, CCK. Uh, Travis Banks and, and Chris Brooks, um, and then have just been doing good things on top of good things ever since. Um, to where uh, one of the earlier big uh, Rev Pro York Hall shows uh, this year, they had got put in a, a really awesome spotlight position, where they were wrestling none other than Los Ingobernables de Japón, uh, the the ace tag team of that group in Evil and Sonata. Um, and that was a, a big time match for them, and that went really, really fucking well. You could see that the the crowd um, just looked at them in a different way uh, during that match and, and after, you know, dueling chants, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, based off the success of that, going into to this um, match where they're working probably the two top indie guys, to me at least, in the world right now. In uh, Matt Riddle and uh, Jeff Cobb, the Chosen Bros, and that match was just so so damn good. I mean, I I loved it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the entire match, and I fucking love uh, Mark's finish. The fucking the, the pile driver he grabs the motherfucker by the ankles and just yeah. pulls him up to his chest really quick, and it it looks like there's no way it could possibly be safe, but you know it has to be. But yeah, it's fucking amazing, dude. Oh, that was he's really great. Cool Even going back to his um, Aussie days, his finish originally was like the the Chuck Taylor gimmick, the awful waffle, and then okay, he sort yeah. of converted into his own little spin on that uh with the the current presentation where he just yanks a motherfucker up and then drops him down on their head um but yeah the official name of that move now is 
an amazing one. Probably my favorite uh, name of a, a finisher going today. Uh, close your eyes and count to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I caught that when they said it, but oh my God, yes, you're right. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> There's a Hell shirt yes. and everything that you can buy at home, listeners. All right. So yeah, check out Aussie Open merchandise and get that shirt. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, great match there. Uh, I particularly um, loved the just the, the big man spots uh, between uh, Davis and uh, our, our boy Jeff Cobb. Just two big boys mixing it up. Um, they've got a, a great little chant in the, the UK wrestling of uh, when there's two big motherfuckers in there. It's just a chant of big lads wrestling, which I kind of love. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Big lads wrestling. <laughs> just, just so British. So good. Oh, oh that, that's I, great I love for so many of those movie. wacky chants, hey? Yeah, exactly. I love that that shit's bleeding over. Honestly, it's fucking great. As long as the, all the Americans don't start singing all the time. I'm cool with you guys doing it because you can, the, or the UK guys, you can hear the accent through the singing and it's, that what makes it so delightful to me. Yeah. I mean, if the Americans are going to do it, can they at least put on a shitty British accent for the chance? Give That's it a all shot, I ask. guys. Yeah. I mean, come, come on. on. Commit. Timothy Thatcher did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's actually always been trippy to me. Uh, Timothy Thatcher, the American who worked as a British guy. Like, people I have thought he always actually worked... came from the UK before, like maybe when he was a bit younger before moving to California. Is that the case? I assumed. I mean, I just, based off of his accent, I'm, I'm hoping it's not a guy that's just doing a fake accent. I'd be very disappointed. Well, no, yeah. Yeah, I guess he doesn't do the British accent anymore. He, w- I guess that was his deal for quite a while. I mean, you can I guess still hear dropped- it a little bit. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> talking about this, we should know. I'm going to Google. Let's do it. Uh, this is this is what we do for our uh, our fans. Live yeah. uh, research. Live Googling. <laughs> Live Googling. And, you know, some of us are better at Googling than others. And it's it's really a show like ours that shows you how quick something can be Googled. Is it there now? Uh, it is. <laughs> but, I mean, you just put over my Googling abilities. And I've come to his, his Wikipedia because, you know, you learn everything from Wikipedia. And He's it says fucking at Wikipedia. nothing about him... Um, his uh, UK roots, if that yeah, are. there you go, it worked. Which maybe <laughs> that is um, echoing your point. I yeah, I just find it interesting that out of any nationality to choose, you choose something very, very. It's like, all right, up here there's a kid. Uh, I forget his name. I think Lance Pearson. He's American, but he works a Canadian gimmick. But his gimmick isn't that he's Canadian. Like he isn't like overly Canadian wearing. Uh, plaid or denim all the time. He's not drinking maple syrup. He's just Canadian. I just think it's kind of weird to just pick a random country to represent when you're, I don't know. Wrestling, they do it all the time, but why is it so weird to be just another random white guy? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sorry about the rambling. No, no, that's what we're all about. Yeah, I'm onto the the Reddit page now that is titled, So, is (laughs) Timothy Thatcher actually British? (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> see, it's but so yeah, awesome. I I'm still yet to see a resolution of this. Everyone's just like, maybe we think so. I don't know. <laughs> it says he's um, from um, Rampton, England, which is a very small and specific place to be built from. 
if you yes. don't happen to be from there, which maybe would give credence to him being from there. Maybe he moved over when he was like four. I don't know. We need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, is Timothy Thatcher a fake Brit? Who knows? Yeah, Timothy oh, knows for sure. That controversy. Well, I'll, hey, you're on the show, we were just talking about the Rev Pro Show. Want mm-hmm. to get your take on Yeehai? I'm sure you've seen him before, but Yeehai, oh, excuse me. Dude, dude is. What great. do you think about this guy? Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. I was um, a big fan of his in uh, Evolve, um, going back uh, the last couple of years. I was a big fan of uh, Catchpoint. Um, and yeah, I think dude is, is crazy talented. He's since departed uh, from Evolve. Um, but yeah, I think he's um, just, this is his, his chance to be breaking out. And I think he did a, a great job in that match in particular. Um, very exciting dude, so smooth. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of, um, you seen, uh, Jonathan Gresham much before? Yep. Yep. They both have really unique styles. Not, they don't work similar to each other per se, but they definitely have really unique grappling styles. Fred yeah, with all like the stomps a real sweet, and stuff. smooth, um, yep. like grappling, legit technical kind of style where you can tell there's a, a legit background, um, kind of going on there. Uh, like there's, there's a difference that I think is coming out in um, current indie wrestling with the, how in vogue it is to be doing that legit sort of uh, catch style. Uh, you know, Timothy Thatcher is a great example of it, where it's separating the guys who actually have a, a legit background or, or current training or, or whatnot, um, and the guys that do the you know fake technical wrestler type of thing. Um, and it, it's kind of really exciting to watch. I I, I love it. I'm, I'm all about that shoot style kind of thing, so I think it's very cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, especially placed on the talented. card, right? Especially if yeah. they place it on the card, right? Like after, you know, balancing a good uh, a good wrestling card, especially with how big and oversaturated the market is, you need to like really have the ebbs and flows. And having a good grappling match after a really really exciting match, the fans kind of need it sometimes. And hmm. honestly, if they can get into it, in my opinion, anyway, if if the fans can get into it, like. Like that Matt Riddle show uh, was testing. I, I think the audience is there, but yeah, sometimes the American wrestling audience a lot of times get gets bored. Like, have you noticed? You're mentioning the Zack Saber hate earlier. Mm. Some of that hate is starting to seem like not just against his heel, like actually against well, him was, as a wrestler. That was what I felt um, to start with before his sort of heel work came up to match it. It was almost yeah. like people were hating him because they hate that style and because they hate the way he looks. Yeah. <laughs> as weird and mean as that sounds. <laughs> like in um, PWG, I noticed it quite a bit uh, to where um, – before even before he was like really playing up this uh heel dickhead uh thing he um he he'd just get a lot of hate and and like a lot of it you know sometimes you get like the people with the boring chance or whatever and then they get shut shutted down or whatever but um yeah it's it's interesting in that there are a lot of american fans fans of of wrestling in quotation marks who are not really fans of wrestling um and I think that's an interesting um, discussion point. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, you're 100% correct. A lot of the – honestly, I think some people just go there to get themselves over with chance or mm. playing along with the crowd. And I mean, that's fine. Some people can come for that. But it does seem like sometimes the actual gl- grappling gets rejected by fans if they see too much of it. 
Do you, do you feel the same about having a good grappling match after a really fast-paced match, or do you not feel the same? Oh, no, I do. Um, in some ways, uh, you have to be a little bit careful with that kind of stuff, especially if you're having it following up something that's particularly crazy with a bunch of high spots or, or weapons or, or whatever because people are going to be desensitized to the point to where they're not going to be that sometimes you know be that respectful yeah, yeah. towards a, a, a real uh you know the subtleties and, and slower pace and and just these really talented things that these dudes are doing uh, grappling wise and, and catch wrestling wise um jujitsu wise you know uh, to where they're, they're not necessarily going to be ready for that after they've just watched a ridiculous young bucks spot match kind of thing <laughs> um but i mean if, if it's paced right it works like i think the greatest example of that was i was watching back uh one of the older bowlers i think that the 2015 uh pwg battle of los angeles and i was there yeah you were i saw you on screen <laughs> <laughs> my big head <laughs> and i was like oh hey buddy hey buddy hey. um and yeah there there were a I think it was either night two or three or maybe both but it was great because you'd have it just had such a great variety of wrestling like you had a really, um, you know, crazy, fast-paced, impressive, athletic feats of craziness type of match. Um, and then you'd have like a, a match with like a, a, a Timothy Thatcher or a Biff Busick or just a Zack Sabre Jr. or whatever, where they're, they're just wrestling such a, a, a slower storytelling uh, match of, of unique subtleties and, and just grappling talent. And that... Because, I mean, the PWG crowd is bloody best, right? But yeah. that crowd was, like, so receptive to everything. So they'd see one crazy style of wrestling. Then they'd be, like, way up for this completely different style of wrestling. And I, I think that's sort of the way um, things are going in general and the, the greater greater scheme of things. It was actually quite Dude. trippy. I, I went back and, and watched a match that I was expecting to be fucking amazing from the early 2000s. I, I didn't even know this match happened. And I found it. Um, it was like maybe 2000, 2001 between uh, uh, Steve or William Regal um, against um, Dan the Beast 7. And I was oh, like, so fucking down and excited for this match. And then the, the shitty indie crowd that it took place before completely ruined it. Like oh, they just fuck. booed that shit down and boring and just trying to get himself over and this, that, the other. Everything is bad that you can imagine about early 2000s indie fans. Yeah. Um, but that's how I think we're in a different place now to then. Where now, you know, that kind of PWG reaction is, is more uh, commonplace and people are, while they do want to see crazy shit, at the same time they're more receptive to your, your more subtle kind of stuff. It's very cool. Dude, that, that 2015 bullet might be my favorite. Uh, one match that sticks out for me, seek it out if you haven't seen it, is fucking Pentagon Jr. Not you specifically, anybody listening, but Pentagon Jr. versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, oh my man. god. That is... That's wrestling candy. Like It's two so styles you never, you never imagined to be matched up, but that's the joy of Bola. And, and it was great because we, we got to see a very different side of Pentagon Jr. Like He yep. was very proficient in that there's this uh, awesome Mexican style of submission wrestling called Yave Wrestling. Um, which I first heard about from um, uh, Chris Hero and, and Skyder and, and um, some of those guys. Like you got your, your dudes that are just amazing at it, like Negro Navarro and Solar and and uh, Blue Panther. Um, but yeah, you just got to see uh, Pentagon Junior break out a bunch of these really fucking wacky, awesome uh, Mexican um, style submissions. 
Um, and then Zack Sabre just keep up with him as well. I, I loved it, man. So good. And Zack's reactions to the submissions, like the oh shits, and yeah. like his like being shocked about what was going on was just it was perfect, man. What a great match, dude. Yeah, so good. I loved it. Um, and then as well, like I think there was a what was the the great. There were a bunch of great Chris Hero matches on that that um. Uh, yeah, the tournament. one with Jack. The one with Jack was fucking oh, hilarious and Jack awesome. was hilarious all the way through that tournament. Yeah, Jack, you oh. you talking about motherfuckers that can spit that fire on the on the fucking promo? Jack Evans, man, dude's uh, amazing. Local yokel, by the way, two five three shout out. <laughs> Uh, back to the Red Pro Show. One quick question I want to ask mm-hmm. is: uh, El Fantasmo. He's kind of a local guy. He's from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, yeah. and uh, works up at ECCW a lot. Was their champ for I think a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up pretty quick. What do you think about him? A good matchup with Will. I felt. Yeah, yeah. He'd been in Rev Pro um, for pretty much that that uh, whole run that I was talking about where I started watching okay. and then kind of watched all the way through um, to this Epic Encounter show. And cool. it was interesting that he was one of those guys that was a bit more low key. Like you could see he did some, some cool shit. Um, but at the same time, it's like he wasn't, um, you know, the crowd wasn't being like, this guy's fucking amazing. It was just like, yeah, he's very good. Um, but then I think this match was like his, uh, his coming out party. He had, a um, a match prior on the cockpit show against, I think, Osprey, maybe as well. No, 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 it wasn't Osprey. It was Zack Sabre in the the main event. He had a title match with him. No, his first match was a non-title match, and he actually got the win over Zack Sabre Jr. And oh, then, shit. yeah, and that was like crazy upset because like no one had beaten him in that whole run. And then, um, so straight up afterwards, Zack's like. All right, do you want your title match? We have to have it right now or not at all? And he's like, no. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and then so they just had the match straight then, um, immediately after, uh, which um, Zach won. But I thought it was a really unique, um, fun That's way good of angle. doing things. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Um, but yeah, so I think that proved a lot um, of of him uh, to the fans and, and you know, how are you not going to look great against dudes like uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay? Come on, they're like two of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, oh, for sure. And then, yeah, on this show, you just, yeah, hit it out of the park. Really good job. For sure, for sure. And then the main event, I really I did want to make special, special mention before we get to the main event. Um, Go on. I also really have been enjoying David Starr a whole oh, fuck, heck we of that a lot. Too. Um, in Rev Pro, he's another one of those guys where he's just been doing awesome shit um, on a lot of those cockpit shows and the smaller kind of ones, in addition to the, the bigger ones. They've got him as a, a cruiserweight, which I don't know, I don't necessarily look at David Starr and think cruiserweight, but, you know, whatever. Um, but he is probably, um, I reckon, best promo in the business right now. Like, I can't think of anyone over. else. Like, yeah. So good. And just the, the banter that he has with the crowd through his matches. Dude's great. Yeah, yeah I, I had not seen his work until up in uh, NOLA weekend. And the, the promo shtick and all the nicknames is fucking tremendous. Um, I actually was kind of wasn't sure the way he was booked in, in uh, Rev Pro. Like he was complaining about a fucking conspiracy against him. And typically that lands you into the heel role where you're complaining, but everyone, he seemed to be pretty over. Is he a oh, baby no, face? He's, he's definitely a heel. 
<laughs> on okay. all the other shows, he's a big time heel. But it's weird. Okay. On, on one of the last uh, York Hall shows of 2017, I think um, they uh, put this this um, Chapman dude over for the cruiserweight title. Like he got the big upset, and he got the biggest pop, and everyone loved him. It's like holy shit, this weird fucker has won the belt. Good for him. Um, but then very quickly thereafter, it's one of those things where the um, that uh, story of the you know, unexpected, you know, underdog kind of thing. Once he actually gets the belt, there's, there's nothing people, to go. There's nowhere to yeah, go. Where do you go? You know, and then the crowd kind of has turned on him thereafter, which I think culminated in this this match with David Starr, where uh, the crowd was almost being a little bit mean to <laughs> Chapman in some of this stuff. Even the <laughs> yeah. the uh, Booker slash commentator Andy was. Um, in in the commentary, saying about how legitimately mean he thought the crowd was being to poor Mister Chapman, which I laughed. At. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, he was a fairly lanky looking, goofy guy. Yeah, but yeah, just seeing how much love they had for him before he got the yeah. title to like the disdain that they have for him now. I mean, I don't That's know fucking wrestling, man. That's how wrestling to see is. Where they go from here, sure is. And yeah, but, also uh, um, shout out to that really awesome opener with. Um, Shane Strickland and my boy Baruxi on that Rev Pro show. Um, we spoke a little bit about Adam Brooks uh, with what you know the awesome shit he's been doing in PWG lately. Um, some other American indie stuff, but he has got such a awesome push in um, in Rev Pro over the little while that he's been there. Uh, they've got like a undefeated gimmick going on with him, and he's just. All that stuff that I was talking about last time with like his promos and talking in the ring and just that that oozing confidence, like he's got it in spades in his presentation in Rev Pro. And we talked about earlier about uh, the main eventers wearing trunks when he was a down in in Nola. He was wearing like cutoff shorts, kind of like that the the thing that the Motor City machine guns wear. Yeah. Is he did he switch to trunks recently, or is he yeah, going that, that way that now? Was, that was the first time I'd seen him in trunks because yeah, in all of okay. his, his Melbourne City wrestling stuff that I'd seen him in. Um, and and uh, anywhere else, yeah, PWG. Um, he has those, uh, you know, uh, Alex Shelley board shorts, almost yeah, type of things. But like the gear, not shitty shorts. So you can tell they're actually no, by gear, no means, yeah. But yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, moving up to the trunks. Uh, I don't know, uh, hot take, but I personally do think top guys look way more like top guys in trunks. That may just I'd... be me. I don't know. No, I agree 100%. When, when when Punk did it in ROH, I was like, it was a perfect transition. It made sense. He was doing that uh, because he was going to the WWE soon, doing the corporate gimmick, looking like a fucking champion. So, yeah, you got to sometimes change the aesthetic in order to fit the role. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, no, I love that match. And, um, yeah, Shane Strickland is crazy talented. And I thought the guys just had such a great chemistry. I want to see them wrestle more i want to see a, a a series of matches like a feud i don't know but um please pwg and everywhere else defy uh book that match please i always beg the defy guys to get these uh awesome uk talent is oh the talent's over but you know the, that airplane ticket price That's so maybe expensive. one of these hey hey yeah maybe, maybe if they're... stateside yeah once he's over for pwg work, work it into the tour you know that's what i'm talking about yeah. All right. We tried to jump to it earlier, but I just I wanted We're to ready. talk Tomohiro Ishii and Keith Lee. Dude, I love the story dude. of this match. It was Initially, great. 
the whole gimmick was that Ishii could not get fucking Keith Lee off his feet, and the way they built to that finally happened was fucking great. Um, but Big Lads wrestling, man, what a hoss match this was! <laughs> oh, fucking hoss fight, bro! I loved it. Um, and they actually had their first uh, encounter back on that that Global Wars double header that I was talking about from the the year prior. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worth checking out on night one of Global Wars at um, York Hall, uh, Global Wars 2017. I may have enjoyed that match even more than this match, just in terms of telling you how good that match was. Um, but yeah, both guys have such good chem- chemistry. Um, I mean, what can what else can you say about Keith Lee? We, we put him over pretty well last show. Um, but yeah, him and Ishii just had this, this crazy great intensity where like Ishii is the, the total, uh, little fucking stone pit bull that he is that just such a a tough guy will take everything that Keith Lee can throw at him and then some, um, and yeah, loved it. Loved it. Yes, sir. Uh, like I said about the. A lot, a lot of times you you see something specific uh, storytelling that is so obvious, but this one was like just like oh man, this him trying to get him over is just such a good way to go about this, honestly. And the was it the superplex off the fucking uh, oh that was scary, the, like holy off the tippy crap. top rope. I thought yeah. his legs were gonna fucking hit the the lighting truss. Yes. Like. <laughs> Speaking of your call, the venue is tremendous. That your oh. call is a great place to have wrestling. Man, I, I love it. It's um that actually, I, I'm a bit of a stickler for buildings, for like building for some reason. Like sometimes I pay more attention to that than the actual wrestling. But um, your call was actually the the same venue where um, ROH's first foray over into the the UK scene uh, back when they had Punk and everybody. Um, they did a show. Um, I think it was in conjunction with FWA because uh, FWA. Um, actually used to run York Hall as well. I remember all of the, the top um, UK indie guys at the time, like back when we are talking about Johnny Storm and Jody Fleisch, um, they had awesome stuff on there. And I remember someone jumping off the balcony. But, yeah, that always sticks out in my mind about York Hall. Um, and it was uh, – it's had a great part of um, in the history of uh, the sort of 2000s uprising of, of that UK indie scene. They were sort of the home base for um, another really cool promotion back in the day, Real Quality Wrestling, uh, RQW, which was uh, Martin Stone was actually the, the ace of that one. May have been the owner as well, I'm not sure on that point. But um, yeah, it's, it's sort of been a constant all the way through um, IW, IPW UK uh, and then the successor to IPW UK, which we currently see as uh, as Rev Pro. So yeah, very cool building. It's got an awesome uh, balcony sort of all around. It's got that real classy uh, British look to it. It's almost like if you had uh, Street Fighter or Tekken kind of game, and you have these mm-hmm. like you know venues set in different countries for the side scroller. Like that's exactly what you would expect out of yeah. the UK venue, right? Yeah, it's like fighting in Parliament or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> There was like a, but, a Evolve show back in the day in New York where they got kicked out of a venue and then they had the show in a um, a fire department and there was an actual fire truck in the background with the ring and I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking on that as well. Yeah, wacky, that's killer. wacky venues are sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a place up here uh, that's called 
it's like an aqua theater where like they used to do plays and stuff, but they had they used to have wrestling shows there and it's like got water all around it and so the oh. wrestling is all out on this little dock next to water. It's pretty crazy. That sounds like the WCW where they used to have the, the shows at um <laughs> what was it, Club Club Via or something like that down yeah. in uh, Florida. I can always remember fucking uh, Kevin Nash doing the jackknife ironically enough into the pool you remember that <laughs> what a devastating <laughs> maneuver yeah he jumps off and grabs his one leg i originally thought it was a cannonball then somebody that's a jackknife you idiot like no shit duh i should have caught that <laughs> yeah yeah i remember him like the, the heels taking bumps into water and stuff like that so, oh yeah, yeah. I, I heard they originally told not to go in the pool and they just said fuck it we're, <laughs> we're gonna do it why would you not in the the fabulously um uh, unorganized environment that was late 90s WC. an amazing for sure time in great show you picked out here by the way if you, i think this is a good concept that maybe we uh bring more on a regular basis maybe you suggest a show we watch that bitch together and then we discuss it on the show yeah i'm, I'm a fan of that and i think it's a good way to sort of get the vibe of a particular company and maybe like um, put it over to people that may not have, have known that much about it. And it's almost like a, a grab bag, a, a sampler, if you will. So we can sort of, you know, put something on to, to some, some cool stuff that uh, is, is going on that they uh, they may not have, have known about before. You know, you can think of us as your worldly tour guides of uh, good and alternative indie wrestling, helping you to yes, navigate yes. the... the the trepid waters that uh, all of the crazy shit that's out there and put you onto the good stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, speaking of world traveling, you did make mention recently that there is uh, maybe a potential of you coming stateside for Bola due to someone else needing to take a trip. Is is that the case? Oh, indeed, man. Um, so I am trying not to be too excited for this because there yes. is a little bit of a question mark for it. However, uh, I recently worked out with the um, the, the change date of, uh, of of Bowler rather than being the Labor Day weekend as, as we are normally used to. Um, it actually coincides really fucking well if my lovely girlfriend, her, she does the, the roller derby, Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Um uh, is she a jammer? She is uh, one of the people that kills the jammer. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always a fun role. Yeah, I always, yes. always get a, a big pop when she murders someone. Um, yes. But, yeah, no, she, so she does the, the roller derby, and they uh, travel uh, overseas for the, the playoffs uh, each year. Uh, the team's going quite good at the moment, the Sun State Roller Girls, for all of you playing at home. Um, and yeah, the, the playoffs are either going to be in one of two places. Normally there's three, so it fucks up a bit more, but there's only two this year. So it's either going to be in, um, Spain or in Hotlanta. So, oh, I mean, and that's like a week after Bola. So how perfect would that be to come on over, have an amazing weekend, uh, of Bola, see the, the whole family once again, and then, uh, go over to Atlanta after that. Yeah, that's all, that sounds awesome. I got both of them crossed for you. Now I do have a follow-up question that's much needed. Uh, mm -hmm. Much like wrestling, roller derby people get to pick their own, you know, gimmick name. And typically in roller derby, there's some sort of sexual euphemism or something gross. Uh, mm -hmm. What is Courtney's roller derby name? Yeah, there are some pretty pretty fun ones uh, out there. Courtney is uh, known uh, as the, the famed Veruca Salt. I, so, I love it. I'm a fan okay. of the band and the character. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, there's there's no bad news there at all. All all positive feelings. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, it should be very fun. Uh, fingers crossed on uh, on that one. I actually have a, a funny little little tie-in story um, to do with the the roller derby uh, that I um, just uh, dingled on the the bit of the brain just now. So this past week, um, basically Courtney's derby team knows me as the the, the weird. You know, knows everything there is to know about uh, wrestling, kind of guy. You know, if Courtney's talking about him, it's like about me. It's you know what uh, what craziness I've I've been watching with the wrestling. Uh, so they uh, have their their training um, at the the local skate venue like three times a week. Like it's pretty pretty crazy, pretty intense. Um, and this week, I don't know if you heard, there was a, a tour um of the the wrestling over here um with uh, some dudes christopher daniels dalton castle was meant to be on the show couldn't make it jay lethal was meant to be on the show couldn't make it uh the ryback was on the fucking show was <laughs> ridiculous um i think seema as well was on the show seema oh, dragon gate fa- uh, yeah. fame from japan um a couple of his young boys from the the, the wacky thing that he's doing in Hong Kong at the moment. Yeah, there's some pretty big names on this card. Um, but uh, sad to say, this was one of those cards I was trying to capitalize uh, on the recent sort of, um, you know, thing of, of the local scene doing really, really well. Uh, MCW doing awesome stuff, International Assault doing awesome stuff, and, and big crowds for, for cool shows, basically. But this uh, card was not looking like there were going to be any cool matches it was basically a lot of awesome guys coming out for a show that no one was very excited about whatsoever uh from a, a company that's been around for a long time um awf is known as um and uh, they fair enough to say they do not have a very good reputation of putting on good wrestling um so yeah i was questioning this tour from the the onset and um they safe to say did not do very well in terms of the crowd i think they had they had all those dudes on the card and I think in uh, Melbourne and Sydney and Adelaide, they did like under 100 people. I think in, oh, shit. in Adelaide, they did under 50 people. And for the Brisbane show, I think they struggled to do like 20 people. <sighs> so quite depressing. I was basically talking about it early in the week to Courtney about how depressed I was about it. And she said, wait, where is it? Turns out they were running the venue in Brisbane. That is their training venue. Oh, shit. Yeah, so they're running basically Courtney's uh, roller derby training venue on the same day, Sunday, that they actually have training. So she said, whoa, hold up a minute. Um, I'm going to double check because that sounds like they have double booked the venue. Turns out they did. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so, awesome. That you, what a yeah. small world so weird and uh yeah turns out they double booked them so they didn't get to go to training but then they were talking about it that uh, day at training and like wow fuck we would have just turned up to train and there would have been a uh, a fucking wrestling ring in the middle of our um our, our skating court fuck uh thank god for chris and his wrestling amazing <laughs> see wrestling knowledge does pay off in these freak circumstances it's amazing it and sure i think does. uh 
I think we all, for the most part, unless you have are lucky enough to have the the fam that we've developed over time visiting shows, a lot of us in the office that we visit or along with our girlfriends, we're the weird wrestling guy uh, to the rest of the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone at my work knows that I'm the wrestling guy. If something wrestling related comes up, somebody's going to come and talk to me about it. Yeah, pretty much every workplace that I've had in the last like uh, five years or more, I'm generally known as the wrestling guy, which is kind of fun. You'll, you'll get uh, weird little chats with people, but you don't even really know that much, but they know you're the wrestling guy. So they have yep. the wrestling chat in the in the lunchroom. Uh, that's kind of good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm yeah, okay with sure. that as part of my, uh, my identity, weird wrestling guy. As long as like yeah, within but... the wrestling community, you're not, the weird wrestling guy, you know, those, those sort of, that's a different degree. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. The guys who, uh, maybe report to the airport, uh, as people are trying to get <laughs> off their planes, those guys. <laughs> yeah. The guys that, uh, that, that CM Punk doesn't like very much. Those kind yeah. of guys. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Hey man, I think we're about good, huh? This has been a, yeah, a long man. program. Yeah. We've been doing pretty was well. Fun. Nice little chat. Um, there was yeah. one last thing that I wanted to touch on, which I found a very interesting story. Um, so, I mean, with this UK um, thing basically blowing up, we talk about the success of, of Red ah, Pro, yes, yes, yes. we talk about the success of, uh, of Progress. Um, we have the, the UK WWE tournament coming up. Um, and I don't know if uh, too many people are, are crazy um, knowing all about the, the ins and outs of this, but this whole uh, UK kind of thing, in a lot of ways, um, is uh, speculated to be because of the um, World of Sport ITV taping, which, um, I don't know, do you know much about the history of World of Sport in the UK and wrestling? Uh, be not that I've ever watched, but being a uh, kind of a big nerd and listening to so many podcasts, I've definitely kind of grown familiar. That's like the Big Daddy stuff, and that right? Yeah, yeah, Big Daddy. I mean, Big Daddy was like the the bloody worst of it, but I mean, yeah. there was some amazing wrestling. But that was his era, right? You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. He was he like, the, like the Hulk Hogan of it kind of thing. Um, uh, Johnny Saint and all yeah. those guys. Yeah, Johnny Saint, Jim Briggs, um, so many, so many great guys. Uh, Rollable Rocco. That's um, the name I was trying to think of. Yeah, I, I highly recommend anyone check out this stuff. It's like just such a, a fresh uh, take on wrestling when uh, wrestling was a, a, a sportly contest of gentlemen. Uh, you know, no punching, no. I mean, there would be if it's you. You know, you got a jerk heel that's uh, sneaking one behind the referee. But for the most part, it's just good old, good old gentlemanly grappling, and it's amazing to see. But it was huge back in the day on on um, UK TV, uh, to the point where they did uh, like way bigger ratings for that than like WWE ever has over there, because it was just a part of like the uh, cultural institution kind of deal. Where it's sure. um wherever it was on, I think Sunday afternoons, that kind of thing. Everyone would just go home and they watch the wrestling with their nan or, or whatever, you know, getting dinner ready and everyone's watching the wrestling as a family. Um, and it was huge. And then um very sadly it uh it uh, lost its um spot on TV in the late eighties, I believe. Late eighties, uh, start of the nineties was kinda like the death of UK wrestling. Because like that was going around the horn full time. Had so many guys with full time employment because of this. And that um t- that hour of TV show was a, a huge part of it. Um, and then, yeah, they lost the TV deal, and that was basically when UK wrestling in and of itself with this very unique style just died. 
Um, and then you had the Dark Ages where they had this weird um, copycat uh, kind of wrestling where you'd have, I think they call them tribute shows. Have you ever heard of these? I have indeed. Yeah, so they just have guys go out there and this is like UK Kane versus UK Undertaker versus just terrible. Like, how do they get away with this? I don't know. But that's what um, wrestling in the UK became for a long time before you had these uh, these pioneers like your, your Doug Williams, your Jody Flash, your Johnny Storms, who uh, really brought it back. And I think uh, FWA uh, was a big part of that. And then, you know, right through till, till today. Um, but so uh, I think last year they had their first taping and, and first show um, on the, the return to ITV of World of Sport Wrestling. This was very different. They used a very different kind of guys. It didn't necessarily have the sportsman-like atmosphere. It was basically a, a taping put together by a TV station honchos kind of deal um, for more of a generalized audience. Um, and it, it wasn't bad. You know, you watch it and it's just, you know, lighthearted kind of wrestling. I think, like, some of the top guys they used were, like, Rampage Brown and um, uh, Grado and uh, a couple of other different dudes like that. And they had Jim Ross as the, the commentator. Um, mm. So then uh, fast forward a bit, there was some bullshit over how the next tapings were going to go, who was going to fund them. For a while, um, Jeff Jarrett and uh, Global Force Wrestling was actually going to be involved in it and um, fund those, but then they couldn't get it together. Then they finally have, um, and, and that was really, that, that show, that debut show that they had, did about a, a ridiculous increase in viewers than what Raw would get over there. So, for example, and you look up these numbers yourself, but it, for example, Raw probably does like 300,000. Uh, this show did like 1.5 million, just oh, because shit. it's on such a bigger channel. Um, over there that's like because ITV is just like huge in the UK and um, yeah so they they had this crazy success and then just had a lot of bullshit to try to get it back together and then it comes across in a lot of ways of WWE trying to cut them off at the legs in every way they can um, so from signing Jim Ross back up and it's not like they've necessarily done a lot with Jim Ross since then so a lot of people are kind of perceiving it as uh, signing him basically so he can't be the voice of world of sport um, to doing whatever they can to sign up a lot of these more promising UK indie guys so you know someone could, could perceive it in a way to where they just don't want them to uh, bolster this uh, this world of sport um, reintroduction um, and they they want that for themselves or I don't know who knows I don't want to be a conspiracy guy but it's it's in the end of the day resulted in a lot of these UK guys getting um, very interesting contracts, almost like ret retainers, where some of them have gotten full contracts, um, but others have just gotten these like retainers where they get a bit of money, um, and it's basically money so that they don't do the world of sport tapings or or do any shows that uh, WWE has a problem with. Um, so. It's it's quite a weird, interesting kind of thing on who signed these deals and how limiting those deals were going to be. Um, in to start with, they said no, just or from what I've heard, just sign them and and you can still work wherever you want, unless there's a clash. When we have a show on, we'll work for us. But apart from that, work wherever you want. Um, but as things have gone forward, obviously those guys haven't been able to be part of this latest uh, world of sport tapings. But in addition to that, 
words come out, uh, possibly all of those guys and those WWE retainers are no longer allowed to work Rev Pro, no longer allowed to work a lot of these um, other UK companies that aren't uh, on the inside track with WWE like your, your, your Progress Wrestling might be. So it's uh, kind of a really interesting time right now. Um, in terms of who's what do you think about these guys where? who are grabbing the contract and taking it up? Like uh, a lot of these guys want the opportunity to make it onto the WWE TV and you know live that dream, whereas though taking that time off and not being in front of eye of you know other people that could be detrimental to their overall career. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrestling... think I think it would have been amazing for these guys just in terms of the UK as a whole and the, the growth of the UK scene. I mean, it's grown ridiculously over the last couple of years and, and a lot of people are doing great business. Uh, dudes are getting a lot more bookings than they would have, um, you know, a couple of years ago. However, if you had been able to take, take in this magic that's going on in the UK indie scene right now and put that on ITV with that, that world of sports show and with that, that crazy exposure, if those guys were on there and then going back to doing the normal shows they're doing, everyone would be having a, a great time in terms of um, increased business. So but, what do you think, Sarah, what, what is the benefit for them, really, that they're actually signing on? I mean, if they had faith in this ITV project, and like you said, it, there's a strong chance it could have worked out. Why do, you, why do you think they're choosing to go with the WWE? Do you think it's that whole well, thing about the dream? I, I think so. I mean, to a lot of people, I've, I've heard these contracts referred to as bark contracts. Ah. Um, which is a interesting way of um, looking at it and maybe somewhat accurate depending on who you're talking to. Uh, but, I mean, you, you do definitely have a lot of the guys who it's just their dream since they started watching wrestling and they first saw Hulk Hogan or, or Shawn Michaels or whoever back in the day. It's just their dream to be on that TV. So they do what they do. They don't want to piss off WWE. They'll take the, um, the what they're given. And, um, you know, it, it definitely, that amount of money that they were being given is enough to be helpful. Like, it's definitely not enough to live off in and of itself, but it's something that's helpful to, for a guy that's trying to do this as a full-time thing, to be able to just make things a little bit more comfy with sure. that in addition to his other uh, bookings, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I think... For a long time, maybe a lot of guys were thinking, oh, well, we can take this and, and we can be in with WWE and then we can still work wherever we want anyway. But now it's sort of the reality is coming into it where, oh, hey, all right, maybe this is going to be a bit more limiting than we thought. Um, and, I mean, with the the UK WWE tournament tapings coming up, um, yeah, it'll be interesting what happens. Because, I mean, I don't see them doing a full-time touring schedule just with that UK WWE brand. I mean, do you? Well, one thing about them may actually getting an actual TV deal in the UK, so maybe they have plans to actually do a UK-based show. I, it, I, I don't, I don't, I can't see them doing that, uh, especially with Vince taking on other projects like, you know, XFL. But I mean, who knows? This guy likes to take chances. It could, it could happen. And uh, as you, we talked about a little bit earlier, not on the show, but before we taped, Samoa Joe kind of spoke to a lot of the opinions that people are about them plucking all these high top talent from the indies and how it, a lot of fans see this as such a negative, but he kind of highlighted the fact that it gives opportunity for these other guys to step up and also gives these guys who deserve to be paid big bucks the opportunity to make 
make that big money. So I, I definitely could see both sides of the scenario. It's not one of those things where, I mean, you can't just say one or the other is, you know, definitively right. But this kind of happened with the last time with the WWE. You know, they picked for the UK tournament, they picked a bunch of guys. And initially, you know, there was speculation that they wouldn't interfere in any of their other indie dates. And then slowly we learned, oh, that well, that wasn't the case so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that uh, that Joe interview um, sort of echoed a lot of sentiment of um, what we've, we've heard. Whenever, you know, a lot of indie guys, they'll, they'll get signed up and there's, you know, everyone cries, oh, it's the end of the world for the indies, you know, they're signed yeah. ricochet. Uh, but, you know, the indies, that's part of the magic of them. It's about finding the next guy after a ricochet. No, and a lot of these guys have done uh, all of the the cool matches. I mean, maybe not all of them, but a lot of the the great stuff that you wanted to see anyway. And it, it's just great to get a, a nice breath of fresh air um, of of the next thing that's coming up. And that's what makes this shit exciting to watch. So, Agreed. I mean, and that's actually has been sort of a positive with the way that those um, ITV tapings worked out. Um, they ended up having uh, some of your bigger names, like uh, Will Ospreay was actually a, a key part of, of a, a lot of that uh, those ITV tapings because our, our boy Will Ospreay obviously does not give a, a fuck about uh, some of those other things with how much other great stuff that he's got going on in uh, New Japan and the rest of it, um, to uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., was a, a part of it as well. Apparently he had an awesome match with uh, Will Ospreay, which is the, the feature of um, some of those uh, those episodes. Um, to uh, Grado was on it again. Uh, but then a lot of your, your other guys who may be not getting the big-time spotlight on the UK indie scene right now, but then after this, they're going to be over as Rover. So, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's for the better. Blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see uh, how it goes. Definitely something interesting to um, keep tabs on, um, and, and definitely you know interesting to see whether a lot of those guys on that UK tournament, um, such as your, your your Travis Banks, he's probably the most interesting one to me. Whether they are now under a, one of those WWE deals, or whether they'll be able to to continue to work wherever they want in places like Rev Pro, because I'd be a very sad man if we didn't get any more Travis Banks in uh, in Rev Pro. Yeah, and actually, from seeing my first showing of that recently, I was quite impressed. So yeah, I like to keep that up. The guy. I mean, if the guy gets an actual show, gets on NXT, that's a different story altogether. But, uh, yeah, Travis is one of those guys where he's going everywhere. He's made a name himself in PWG already. So he's only going up from here. Um, mm. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I think if he got a good year or so to become that high-profile indie guy that I think he could be, you know, doing those a uh, lot more tours over to the States to some of your high-profile indies that we've got stateside, more stuff in PWG. Um, yeah. And they, they, the WWE, they're, the way they go about it, they are probably salivating to have, like, a top New Zealand talent. Like, this is our guy. Put over how he's from New Zealand all the time. You know what I mean? That's it's mm. fucking, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He, um... You're already playing the theme song? (laughs) (laughs) We may have had our first technical snafu, but, I mean, maybe that's the world telling us it's time to wrap this baby up, you know? All right, man. Um, I need a beverage, an adult beverage. Yeah, me too. I I think next time I'm definitely going to have, like, at least a Bloody Mary in my hand with the the daytime recording that it is uh, back home over here. 
yeah, I think it's interesting that you're literally starting your day and I'm pretty much finishing a mine up as we record yeah. these shows. So an interesting thing to go on there. Uh, you enjoying a coffee, as you said earlier, me enjoying a, a Red Bull. Not sure why I need to go to bed <laughs> soon, but hey. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, yeah, this has been the second edition of Grown Men Watch This Shit. And yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We sure do. Um, again, I just wanted to uh, give a little bit of love to the, the guys that uh, helped make this dumbness happen. Um, our, our boys over at the Social Suplex, uh, part of the Social Suplex podcasting network. Uh, we got our, our dudes over at One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Lada. We got Keeping It Strong Style. Uh, by my boy Jeremy and Josh Smith. We've got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, Outsiders Edge Show, hosted by Rance and Carl, and the Wrestling Wash, hosted by Barthel Caleb Conlon. Check it all out over at socialsuplex.com. Uh, we've also got our uh, our Twitter going ourselves. Uh, so, so starting to get some, get some stuff up there. We'll, we'll hopefully have some cool content up for you guys if you'd like to get on that one. Over at uh, Grown Men Pod. That's the Grown Men Pod. Uh, check that one out. Uh, for myself, best place to find the, the best content that I put online is at Chris Things over at the Instagram. Find some wacky wrestling lowbrow art um, for yourself there. How about, how about you, Jeremy? Uh, I where, where's am the best place? on both Twitter. And on the Instagram at James Vanderbeek. It's spelled J A I M S Vanderbeek, all one word. Uh, if you need a shirt design, hey, get at me. I'm more than He's willing to help man. out. I, I highly You're recommend a tremendous him. artist as well, yourself, my friend. Oh, That's so I appreciate Watch the compliment it. coming from you. But yeah, <laughs> at James Vanderbeek on both Twitter and the Instagram. And yeah, get at us on our, our Twitter as well, Grown Man Pod. Grown Man Pod. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, it's been a delight to be in your ears once again. Uh, we actually have a, a bit of an official release date going on now where you can hear us uh, dropping every two weeks on uh, every on Wednesdays in the Wednesdays. America land. It's, it's Thursdays in the Australia land. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's right. good to have some regularity about things, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I guess we should get out of here. Yeah, Thanks for having me again, adult. Chris. Always Thanks a pleasure, buddy. Me. Thanks for having me, Mr. Vanderbeek. Uh, I am I'm Chris. For the both of us, I want to thank you for listening once again and let you know that we are grown men and we watch this shit. Thanks, guys. Awesome.